I will turn it up. Welcome to I Election am gonna, Profit Makers. I am going to turn it up. Turn it up. Go. I did. My name's David, and I'm joined on the line by John. All right. Uh, I just want to say that I just picked up David at the airport. It was a disaster. <laughs> Guy tells me to not be late. So wow, I get you're there. doing it. You're dropping a guy tells me, huh? I'm just yeah, guy now, huh? Yeah, all the right, guy tells me right. not to be late. So I get there and I say, I'm here. And then he says, I just landed. And I was like, all right. So he'll be out in just a minute. 25 minutes later, he comes out and says, I'm ready. Pick me up at Terminal 1 and at the number three sign. So I drive all the way around to Terminal 1. So we're going to do some number it humor. It's like the 444 show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I get to T1, S3, sign three, and he's not there. And I, and I so I say, are you sure that you're at Terminal 1 and that you're not at Terminal 2? And then he says, oh, my God, I'm at Terminal 2. At uh, sign three. So I drive over to terminal two, sign three. He's not there. He said, what do you mean? I'm standing (laughs) right here. I said, dude, I'm standing right here at sign three at terminal two. And you're not here. And the police aren't happy that I'm just sitting here loitering. And then you said, I'm standing here outside. And I said, wait a minute. Are you at the baggage claim? And he said, no, I'm at arrivals upstairs. And I said, bruh, no, (laughs) you're at the wrong place. You need to come downstairs. And then the police told me that I needed to leave. And then he showed up and saw me drive away. And I drove around one more time and picked him up. And that's the story of David not knowing I really messed up. Was up or down or one or two. But we're even now because the first time when you picked me up at the airport for my first visit, However long ago that was, two months ago or one month ago. I was eight ago, minutes late. You were like 40, I was waiting for like 45 minutes. No. So now we have each. No. In, we have each inconvenienced the other. We have each forced the other to taste the fruits of our incompetence. <laughs> All right. Well, John, what happened on Saturday night? There was a big basketball game. Go. Oh, yeah. Saturday, doomsday. The doomsday scenario happened. The thing I wanted to avoid more than anything on earth and still to this day would have gladly avoided it. But the amazing thing happened. I texted to with Aaron the other day, and he said, you know what? I didn't think it was possible, but that's how you win a nuclear war. He thinks that we won, and we did win. UNC- Wait, I'm sorry, he lost me there. What is how you win a nuclear war? You just win the game, you know? It was a nuclear war. It was a doomsday scenario. Oh, Carolina and Duke right. meeting in the final four. And, you know, no way anyone can win in that scenario, but someone did win. UNC won. It was the most, ex- one of the most exciting basketball games, college basketball games I have ever seen. And I'm not saying that because UNC won or because it was UNC and Duke. It was just a high level fascinating punch versus punch basketball game and carolina was fortunate to come out on top and duke could have easily have won as well so congratulations to the tar heels and to me and to you and to everyone who believed in them and oh i didn't believe in them i thought duke was going to win this one by 20 i thought duke was probably going to win this so aaron and i were playing music that night and we said well we'll check in at the half and then if it 
if if they're not getting slaughtered, we'll watch the second half of the game. And then we saw that they were only down by three at the half. I was like, oh, we need to watch this. Yeah. So we went to a bar and watched it. And then lo and behold, it's just like it was smooth sailing. Well, I wouldn't say it was smooth sailing. I think in the first couple of minutes of the second half, Duke went up seven. And I thought this is where things get bad. And then UNC went on a 13 to nothing run to take the lead back. And then from there on, it was just back and forth uh, in the last three minutes were chaos, just threes and, and um, you know, really big free throws being hit and uh, on Duke's case, missed. And then Carolina pulled it out. And it's, it is the most important basketball game in the UNC men's basketball program. 111 years outside of national championships. That win was the most important. Why don't you break that down for us? The most important basketball game in NCAA UNC men's basketball history? Outside of winning national championships. Because it is a game that takes you to a national championship Mm -hmm. and allows you that opportunity to win a national championship. It is a game against your hated arch rival that you have met in the final four for the first time ever. And you will probably never meet again. It's the first time that two teams in the same conference from the same state have met in the final four teams from the same conference rarely meet in the final four. The last time that happened was 20 years ago that two teams met from the same conference. It was Duke and Maryland when Maryland was in the ACC. So it rarely happens. So it's not going to happen again. It's a one-off event and only one team can win it. And Carolina did win it. And not only did they win it, they stopped their hated arch rival from going forth and potentially winning its sixth national championship and tying UNC in the NCAA titles department. And Carolina tonight could shock the world. And you haven't even mentioned the coach Mike Shashevsky's last year and Hubert Davis's first year. I, I know. And and you you have Mike Shashevsky's last year. He's retiring. Carolina retired him. He's finished. He lost his last game to his hated arch rival on the biggest stage possible with the right to go to the national championship. And Hubert Davis, who's trying to get his sea legs and establish himself as a legit coach, a first-year coach, has taken this team to the national championship and could potentially win tonight. And then right off the bat, Duke's new coach, John Shire, next year, is already down a national championship to Hubert Davis and UNC. And that just has huge implications. So no matter what happens tonight, whether UNC wins or loses, you cannot take away that semifinal win that Carolina got over Duke, sending Coach K into retirement and uh, denying him another potential national championship. But if Carolina can pull off what many believe is the impossible, and win tonight, then that makes that game against Duke not only the most important national uh, game in, in the history of UNC basketball outside of national championships, it then makes it the most important game in the history of all games 
national championships or not. Wait, all games across all teams, across all sports? Sure, why not? No, but certainly for UNC. The hyperbole. Nothing gets my blood racing like some good hyperbole. But uh, that's, that's... you know, maybe someone could argue could argue differently. They could say, no, UNC's first national championship when they won in triple overtime versus Kansas in 1957. Maybe that was a bigger thing. You you can make that argument, but the fact that it is Duke, the fact that you're going through this major transition, it's the end of the Roy Williams era, the end of the Coach K era. And to have it start like it potentially can tonight, and, and, and Kansas is favored, so certainly won't be surprised if Kansas wins. Won't be surprised if Kansas wins by double digits. They are a, they're going to be the toughest team that UNC's played all year. But don't be surprised if Carolina wins it either. This is a team that's knocked off Duke twice. They were up 25 on Baylor. Yeah, they lost that lead, but they ended up winning. Baylor's the defending national champions. They beat a tough UCLA team that went to the Final Four last year. And then they beat the Cinderella St. Peter's team that had knocked off Purdue and Kentucky. So they've taken everything that's been in front of them. And if you look at the power ratings, since March 1st, UNC is playing better than anyone. They're ranked number one. So they're going to, it's it's going, you know, Baycott got injured at the end of the game. He, Armando Baycott, star UNC he, player. Yeah. He sprained his ankle. It's possible that that will be a factor tonight and may limit his mobility, in which case he could get in foul trouble. And that might be, that might be it. That might be the deciding factor, but we just don't know what's going to happen. And that's why you play the game. So I know it's house money and I should be happy with whatever happens, but I really would like them to finish the deal and win this national championship and just be iconic forever. And it'll be one of the greatest runs in college basketball history, UNC or not, to have an eight seed come in and win the national championship. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. You can go back to Villanova was an eight seed in 1985 knocked off number one, Georgetown. They didn't miss a single shot in the second half. That's what this would be like if UNC can knock off Kansas. And now for my the question I have to ask, if UNC wins tonight, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon, mere hours from tip-off, will you jump up and down? I will, yes. Will you shout yippee? Yes, I'll, I'll shout yippee. John, this is your finest hour. You were made for this moment. That was an exquisite re-articulation and explanation of the significance of what happened on Saturday with an eye towards the future, still appreciating the storied past of the UNC men's uh, Tar Heel basketball program. I went out carousing Saturday night with Aaron, our mutual friend, after UNC won, and it really did feel... uh, I just couldn't believe it happened. I feel like it was the most intense sports experience I had since that Oh my God. It's about the time when John Hodgman and I were down in Florida and like Palm Beach, like like steps from Mar-a-Lago when the Patriots won that Super Bowl against um who was it, Atlanta? Oh yeah, they came you, back. You know what I'm talking about? It was like a really dark, really yeah. dark <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl. Atlanta was up twenty three points yeah. in the in the fourth. And Richard Spencer was like gloating about the Patriots winning and stuff. Yeah. And uh we had I think we had driven by Mar-a-Lago that day. I was just in like a really weird bad headspace and and 
and Hodger and I really had a lot to drink and just, it was a, and I think, yeah, but hadn't Trump just been inaugurated or he was about to be inaugurated? It felt like the, yeah, the start of something bad and dark. And that was an awful night of sports. And then Saturday night, the vibe was just the exact opposite. I was just giddy. I couldn't believe it happened. I felt it was so crazy. It was just so crazy. That's what I kept saying to Aaron. It's so crazy. I can't believe it happened. This is so crazy. It's like in a movie. This is so crazy. It really was. Then we went to a bar and tried to dance. And well, you know how you, you know, when you're a Brooklyn hipster in your 20s and then you're at a bar on a Saturday night and then two middle aged men come in and start dancing and yelling about sports. You like that. <laughs> <laughs> you see them and they're like, yeah, those two dudes are cool. But we didn't care, man. We were carousing. I mean, we were just really carousing. It was really crazy. That's it was good. so crazy. I couldn't believe it. Now I'm having the memory of it. And I'm just remembering how I felt. It was so crazy. It was crazy. Right. I, I can't. Mean, it was it crazy. Was, yeah, it was crazy. Two weeks ago, I said something crazy could happen. I said they could meet, and I and I kind of think that th- there's a real good chance that Duke goes on to win the national championship, or something crazy like Hubert Davis, a first year head coach, knocks Coach K out a second time after ruining his farewell at Cameron Indoor a few weeks ago, and he does it again, and then UNC goes on to potentially win the national championship. It's crazy. And it's like Aaron said, this proves it's possible to win a nuclear war and we should end the taboo against first strike nuclear wars. You're right. There are winners and losers, even in doomsday scenarios. John, we're turning our attention now from sports to politics, but that doesn't mean we're leaving the old North state because North Carolina is making headlines in basketball and politics this week. Our favorite North Carolina congressional representative, a young man named Madison Cawthorn is making making waves with allegations of funky stuff going on in 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 the halls of power in Washington D.C. and he's driving his Republican colleagues up the wall. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody knows about this because we're all independent Madison Cawthorn researchers researchers. So he went on this podcast called Warrior Poets Society or something. Some uh-huh. I don't I, I don't know. I couldn't I I couldn't get a beat on what that podcast is all about. But they asked him about um. The famous TV show called, um, oh, the damn Netflix show where Kevin Spacey plays. Doesn't Kevin Spacey play a Southern politician of a yeah, questionable from, morality? House of from, Cards. Yeah, yeah, Gaffney, South Carolina. Drove by it on the way to Florida. Well, there Saw you that. go. Peach. My name's Kevin Spacey, and I'm a senator down here in South Carolina. Anybody in the mood for a tasty scandal? I think that was what House of Cards was like, right? It was like West Wing, yeah. but it was like kind of like, more porno or something, right? I only watch one season. Yeah. Yeah. It was gross. All I knew about the West Wing was like, they would be like, let's have a debate about what our foreign policy should be. And then the most rational person wins the election. Like, wasn't that kind of, wasn't that kind of what West Wing was about? Like, yeah, that kind of fantasy that if debate teams could run the country, everything would work out because everyone (laughs) would be convinced they were right. (laughs) Yeah. House of Cards takes a dimmer view of, of uh, the art of political compromise. Anyway, so someone asked Madison Cawthorn about House of Cards, and he said he had watched it. I kind of find that unbelievable, but maybe he did. I just can't imagine him. Anyway, here's the quote from Madison Cawthorn. And I'm going to read it in my House of Cards voice just for fun. Ready? Okay. The sexual perversion that goes on in Washington. (laughs) Being kind of a young guy in Washington where the average age is probably 60 or 70. You look at all these people, a lot of them that I've looked up to through my life. I've always paid attention to politics. 
Then all of a sudden you get invited. We're going to have a sexual get-together at one of our homes. You should come. What did you just ask me to come to? And then you realize they're asking you to come to an orgy. Some of the people leading on the movement to try and remove addiction in our country. And then you watch them do a key bump of cocaine right in front of you. And it's like, <laughs> this is wild. I'm not sure about that accent. Um, I like but it. I am sure that this is everything he said is probably definitely true. Yeah, right. Do you think someone really came up to him, one of these senators, and was like, hey, Madison, um, we're going to have a sexual get together at one of our homes. You should come. A sexual get together. You think anyone has ever said that in human history, a sexual get together? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, maybe some of this stuff does happen. Maybe he heard some stories. It's I find it hard to believe that somebody would come up to him and say that. That we're going to have a sexual get together at yeah. one of our homes and you should come. Yeah. Well, I beat around the bush, Madison. I'm inviting you to a sexual get together at one of our homes. Maybe he said it's a, it's a get together, but it is of a decidedly sexual nature. <laughs> the nature of this get together, yeah. which will occur at one of our homes, <laughs> it's truly sexual. <laughs> and we'd like you to, who would invite Madison? It's just so- All right. So, so, so the Republicans, they didn't like this. He finally crossed that line. Because he told something that was true and outed them, or he told something that was false, one of his many falsehoods. It just, they didn't like it no matter what. And I guess Meadows met with him. And then Cawthorn. Wait, not Meadows. Mark Meadows is done. You're talking about Kevin McCarthy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, you've got them. Yeah, I was looking here. It says Mark Meadows. Um, yeah, then Kevin Kevin McCarthy. They, they kind of look alike. They all these guys look yeah, alike. Yeah, they, they have good wide faces. I wouldn't mind seeing some of those faces at a sexual get-together. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. So Kevin Kevin McCarthy. Imagine being at him. a sexual get-together at someone's home and then Kevin McCarthy walks in. I mean, yeah. it'd just be so bizarre. Yeah. But I guess that's the nature of these sexual get-togethers. You don't know who's going to show up, right? Yeah. Who do you think else showed up? Nobody. This is so fake. These senators... They're not having sexual get-togethers. They don't have time for that, and they don't have the energy for that. They're all old. I just don't see it happening, I have to say. And I hate to disparage Madison Cawthorn because he usually can be counted on to tell the truth. Um, But in this instance, I kind of don't believe him. It feels like a young person's idea of what corrupt Washington would be like. Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. He has the mind of a child and then someone's like, hey, I, I know you like House of Cards. Is Washington really as corrupt as House, as House of Cards is? And Yeah, he said, I'm going to tell this great story. And he's thinking in his mind like, what's something really corrupt? A, a sexual get together, the most corrupt thing that can happen, an orgy with cocaine. So then he tells Kevin McCarthy in the meeting that he doesn't even know what cocaine looks like. What? Yeah. That happened? Yeah. If you know the phrase key bump, you know what it looks like. Well, he 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 says he doesn't know what it looks like now. So, I, I don't know, man. Hmm. Doesn't seem too bad boy to completely recant everything and say he made it up. It's almost like he's a good boy because it is, is just kind of a massive exercise in snitching. He's the good boy of the week. Yeah, I don't just think know. think about it. I kind of think he knows that this was not bad boy and that maybe... He's going to try to get back in it. Get back in where? The sexual get-together? or back No, in- no, just to do something really, really. Oh. 
Well, you he know. just did. You just sent me this thing about this. <laughs> Although this predated it, right? I mean, you can't keep up with this kid. Oh, did this predate it? I thought this was after. I thought this was today. Oh my God, I can't keep up with this dipshit. Not the traffic stop. No, not the traffic oh, stop where he said Madison he was Cawthorn driving on his the floor car. of the house. You might amend a bill, but you'll never amend biology. Science is not Burger King. You can't just have it your way. That was good. Take note, Madam Speaker. I'm about to define what a woman is for you. XX chromosomes, no tallywhacker. It's so simple. Tallywhacker. Mm-hmm. He is from Carolina, man. I haven't heard that word in a long time. Oh, my goodness gracious. And then we have... The traffic stop from October. Why don't you explain this? This is a this is a hell of a traffic stop. I have to say, this is one of the all-time great... This is the Duke-UNC Final Four game of traffic stops. Oh, oh I didn't know it was that fascinating. But it was... It, yeah, he got pulled over in Mecklenburg County, which is where Charlotte is. He's going 89 and a 65. That's pretty fast. That is fast. Guy asked him why he was in such a hurry. I couldn't really see what he what he said. He answered he that. He said, I'm never- racing away from a sexual get-together. I okay. have to maintain my chastity. <laughs> In the end, he said something. They said, is this your vehicle? He said, yes, it's my vehicle. Um, but he didn't have his driver's license on him and he didn't have his registration on him. And he didn't have his uh, wallet on him. No. But I bet he had a gun on him. Is he a ghost? No. Who drives a car? Who drives a car 24 miles per hour over the speed limit? And it's not his car, right? It was his dad's car, right? Yeah, they came back and they said, well, this car is registered to your dad. And he went, it is? Like it was the first time he was hearing that, which it might have been. He didn't have his wallet on him. I think he's a ghost. That's my new conspiracy theory. Madison Cawthorn is not alive. That's my conspiracy theory. That explains so much. Okay. And that's probably why they wanted him to come to their congressional sexual get-together, because if you're the guy who invites a ghost to the orgy... And the ghost shows up, you're the king of the orgy because that's really insane. That would really take it to the next level to have a ghost there. Take off your clothes. Everyone would be so excited. Who invited this really cool ghost? You'd be like, it was me. We work together. He's this, he's uh, we're both, uh, we're both congressmen. You're like, wow, (laughs) this is really wild. This is just like house of cards. This is just like being in house of cards. Uh huh. Yeah. Were there ghosts in House of Cards? I don't know. Probably the ghost of Richard Nixon hovered over it. Who cares? I have to work on my accents. I got to get better at doing accents. I want to be able to do such good accents. I want someone to name any country on earth and any region of that country, and I want to be able to do a flawless accent from that. It's a real talent. To well, be good at you accents. are a talent when it comes to voices and accents, and I, I would just like to say that I watched. The finale of Dicktown oh, this morning. Oh, look at you. Look at you. I was not able to see it because I was on vacation. And then I got back here and there was this basketball game that was pretty important. And then this morning I said, I got to pick up David at the airport. I need to at least have watched it. And it really was moving. Really? And thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Everybody John. should check it out. I appreciate Dick that. Lee slash Dicktown is the first season, and then I guess the second season is. Both seasons are available for your watching on Hulu, bit.ly slash Dicktown. I'm really glad you liked it, John. Yeah, it was very touching. Well, you know, uh, we modeled that. We modeled Mr. Hunchman, of course, after your dad, and we modeled Mr. Hunchman's house after a certain house on Churchill Road. In Did you Chapel really? Hill. I of thought course, it looked yeah. like, yeah, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, I sent yeah. them reference photos of your house and said, oh, it has to, hey, Mr. Great. Hunchman's house has to look like this house. No, it did. It looked very familiar. I, yeah. I wasn't totally sure. Dick Town, thank you. 
I just saw news that Ted Cruz has endorsed somebody in the Ohio Senate race. <gasps> Is it not J.D. Vance? It's not J.D. Vance. Poor J.D. Vance. It's Josh Mendel. Oh, you're so happy. Your two favorite dudes. Cruz and Mandel together at last. This is John's fantasy sexual get together. Mm hmm. Okay. Selma, North Carolina next weekend. Madison Cawthorn on stage with Donald Trump. John, we have to go. Okay. Sure. We'll, we're going to do a field recording. Our last field recording was of Fish Weirs. Pleasant, natural, soothing sounds of Fish Weirs. Our next field recording is going to be Kid Midas and Long John Silver at the Madison Cawthorn Donald Trump rally in Selma, North Carolina. That's going to be an audio experience for the ages. Can you go to one of those things without getting beat up? Uh, yes, if we, you know, keep it on the down low. But what if we're heckling them and telling the 444 joke at the top of our lungs? Yeah, we'll gain if we do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, they are prone to violence. So, yeah, Selma, it's not that far. About an hour and 20 minutes. Oh, dude, we could totally make that. I don't know. Should we do it? We would have to wait in line for a long time. Oh, the waiting in line. I can't stand waiting in line. That, that's one thing that keeps me from doing many activities. I just Yeah, and is it worth it if you're not going to be able to heckle without being injured? I think we could get away with it because I think we're actually stronger and tougher than we think. Okay. And if people really wanted to fight us, I kind of think we would kind of do a good job fighting. Okay. Well, let's just see what happens tonight. All right. Okay. Oh, it's right by the outlet mall. It's right by Carolina Premium Outlets so we could get yeah, some clothes. I saw there's some uh, cigar. Yeah, JR Cigar. Why don't outlet. we have an election profit makers meet up at the Trump rally? We're going to have an election profit makers meet up uh, at the Trump rally in Selma, North Carolina. That's a good idea, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a very accessible location. It's right, right near Smithfield, right where you've got I-95 and I-40 crossing. You've got a bunch of big distributions warehouses there mm. so people could act could come from south carolina virginia all over north carolina that's probably why they're doing it there that is why they're doing it there for sure all right if we're gonna go if we go we'll let you know i have a feeling we're probably not gonna go though it's time for listener questions we've had so many people writing in with uh tales of coincidences and mathematical I don't know what you call this stuff. Do we call it mathematical mathematical magic, John? I don't. Is it numerology or is it? Is oh, maybe it magic? this is what numerology is. It could be numerology mixed with cosmology. It could be the role of the numbers in the universe, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, we still got some humdingers to get to. Thanks to everybody who's written in. Let's see. John, why don't you read this first one from Joanna? Joanna writes in, Hello, election profit makers. Of course, I didn't write in when you selected one of my oldest friend's birthdays as your random proof of listenership. That level of coincidence is barely worth mentioning. Mm. I thought about writing in when I discovered that David and my dad share a birthday and mm. considered it even more after I happened to enter Lewis and Clark as two consecutive last names in a spreadsheet I was creating recently. That's hmm. a good coincidence. Lewis and Clark are two famous explorers. But last night, she writes, I was teaching a ballet class using a new album. Ballet classes have a very specific order of exercise and specific type and tempo of music that goes along with that exercise so it can get a bit samey. And looking for new albums to teach to helps keep it fresh. And I was delighted when one of the tracks on this album was from Godspell. 
a show I've always loved. Mm-hmm. Although ballet class albums use show tunes all the time for our plies, tendus and pirouettes. Is it tendus? I don't know. I've never seen that word before in my life. Okay. Uh, Godspell is not usually referenced, and the track itself was On the Willows, a deep cut from the show as far as I'm concerned. All things considered, it was a small but fun little moment during class. Imagine my surprise the next morning when listening to EPM, I heard David's first joke about the mysterious sound outside John's window being the shofar that opens Godspell. And then busting out into the song from the show, randomly bringing the 1973 Hippie Jesus musical into my life two days in a row. I thought it was finally time to write in. Thank you for your delightful, weird, and delightfully weird podcast. Godspell two days in a row? What are the odds of that in this modern society, this fallen society? What are the odds spell of this? <laughs> Oh, no, he did it. No, he did not just do that. Wow, John, that was great. Thank you. On the willows there, we hung up our lives. In the shadows bare, we lie. Something like that. That's when Godspell. I remember seeing Godspell at my church as a kid. Mm -hmm. By the time they're getting there and Jesus' number is just about up, they're singing that song. You, it's it's really unsettling. It's like so quiet and mournful, and um, that's like the dark part of God's spell. Because you know, John, the story of Jesus is not all fun and games. Like he actually came to a tragic end. Mm-hmm. And then there was a triumphant coda, of course, where he went to live forever in glory on the right hand, right hand of God. But there was a moment there. You know, it's around the time of uh, Monday, Thursday, and all that stuff, and. Um, you know, he had, they had a dark night at the Garden of Gethsemane, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, Judas, of course, was no help, seeing as no. how he betrayed him three times. Yeah. Judas, uh, <laughs> are you sure the guy's name wasn't Madison Cawthorn? <laughs> because let's remember that Madison Cawthorn kind of betrayed his best friend when he said falsely that his friend left him to die after that car accident. Yeah, one of the many, many false things he said. Maybe when they rewrite the Bible... For teenagers, you know how they do that every so often? They rewrite it in, in contemporary vernacular? Uh-huh. Maybe they could change some of the names of the main characters in the Bible, and maybe Judas could be renamed Madison. And then Jesus could say, Madison, you are a thorn in my side, or should I say a cawthorn in my side? <laughs> and that's how Jesus will talk in the new version yeah. of the Bible. That's my new accent. <laughs> One of you will betray me three times. Come with me and I will make you a fisher of men. All that kind of stuff. Don't fret if we only have two loaves of bread and some wine. I'm pretty sure we can make do with that because I'm about to do a stone cold miracle. Wow, he's such a crazy voice. All right. Thank you, Joanna. We appreciate that. Shout out to Godspell. I will sing one song from Godspell every week from now until I've gone through the entire album. Okay. Christopher writes in, he says some nice things about me and my long and storied career. And then he says to John, I've only known your work since the start of the Election Profit Makers podcast. But if you have a late aughts Tumblr or live journal that you might consider sharing, please let us know. John, do you have one of those? No, I think I might have an old blog spot. Are you serious? You used to blog? Yeah. I think oh. it was mostly just linking to other blogs, you know? Yeah, you were like a power reblogger? Yeah. yeah. Fire Dog Lake. 
yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I think it was johnkimble.blogspot.com. Christopher goes on, I have to say that while I'm not a sports fan in the slightest, the recent updates on UNC basketball have enabled me to give the diehard Duke fan in my life an insane amount of grief, complete with context that I could have never had otherwise. So thank you. You're welcome. Now Christopher gets to the crux of his email. I'm writing today to let you know of a project started by a friend of mine called Pedals for Ukraine. And here, John, is where my interest was piqued. It's a personal passion project for him, as until earlier this year, he lived in Kiev with his family. He and several other hobbyist pedal builders are making all sorts of cool shit that is frankly way over my head, and they're auctioning things off to help raise funds to help Ukrainian refugees. Okay. John, this is the intersection once again of current events and the world of guitar effects pedals. Mm -hmm. This is what we call the sweet spot of election profit makers, other than basketball and Godspell and number coincidences and all the other fun stuff we talk about. So I had not heard of this, Pedals for Ukraine. Go, Everybody should go to Instagram.com slash Pedals for Ukraine, and then you can bid on these boutique handmade pedals. They're donating the money to a bunch of organizations like um, Doctors Without Borders and stuff that help Ukrainian refugees. So... I read a couple articles about it because it's starting to get some press recently. Christopher's friend, the person who started this, he did something really cool, which is he built a clone of the Big Muff, this iconic fuzz pedal made by Electro, Electro Harmonics, who we talked about in a recent episode because remember the Electro Harmonics guy had actually bought a vacuum tube factory in Russia that was affected by the um, trade wars and the, and the tariffs and the, and the boycotts and stuff. Do you remember when we talked about that? Yeah. Okay. So Electro Harmonics once again features, however slightly in this story, the, uh, Christopher's friend made a clone of this um, fuzz pedal, and he used transistors that he sourced from Ukraine. So if you could bid on this, I think the bidding is closed for this item, but I'm saying some of these pedals surely are going to have electronic components from Ukraine. And that's a nice way to feel connected to that distant country as you're ripping another sick solo with your Big Muff Fuzz. Yeah, very cool. So if you have an interest in humanitarian do-gooding or an interest in guitar effects pedals, go to Instagram.com slash Pedals for Ukraine. It's a great idea. And John, I don't know if I told you this, but this is very, very close to an item that I had on my 2022 bingo card. Seriously. Yep, which I'm going to get out right now. It's right here. On my 2022 bingo card. In the intersection of pedals and North Carolina politics, I had the following item. David Reese builds a fuzz pedal, which auctions off for $1,000 to raise money for Jasmine Beach Ferrara. John, it's all happening. It is all coming together. On my bingo card. That's incredible. I had that I was going to make a fuzz pedal to raise money. For Jasmine Beach Ferrara, who went to our high school, who's running against Madison Cawthorn. And then we get this email from Christopher, and he's saying, my friend is building pedals to raise money for Ukraine. That's so close to being on my bingo card. I know that's not that, you know. No, that's close. I mean, that's really, that's, I can almost say I had that on my bingo card, right? Like, this is the ultimate yeah. fantasy coming true, a, a, a yeah. wild event that's on my bingo card. It's so close to being on my bingo card. You know, I had on my bingo card that first year head coach Hubert Davis would sweep legendary Hall of Famer Mike Krzyzewski. No, you in didn't. His Stop final lying. Year. I had that on my bingo card and it did not happen because Duke won that first game in Chapel Hill by 20 points. But boy, what did happen was even crazier. 
I'm telling you, John, I think this mathematical stuff and all these coincidences, I think that started happening when we created our bingo cards. I think somehow we started unleashing very powerful wishes into the universe. And the universe is sending all the uh, sending us all these messages like like we can't let everything on your bingo card come true because then people will get suspicious. But like we are communicating with you through numbers like we do have messages, you know, right from the heavenly hosts or something, you know. Anyway, pedals for Ukraine, highly recommended. If you're a pedal head, get in on it. Okay, this next one comes from uh, John. And he writes in, who am I but a mere mortal in the shadow of two great titans, sired Kid Midas, the original Wave Rider, and Long John Silver? I have no right to tell two monoliths such as yourselves what shall and shall what you shall and shall not discuss on your podcast, but I came here today humbly to share with your listenership some EPM related news. David Reese is also, upon many other things, a very talented musician. David has a song premiering on Friday, April 8th, called When the Diamonds Disappear. The song is as epic as as it is cinematic, and it it is a six-minute journey through lush, moving tone and swales. Is that how you say that? I don't know what that word means. We're getting a lot of new words today. Okay. Tones and swales that remind you of how good it is to be alive and breathing. My fear is that as bombastic as Kid Midas, the original wave writer, is, that when it comes to David Reese, the sound artist, that guy is much more humbler than his other monikers. And I just wanted to make sure that he shares his art with his adoring fans. You can hear his song at Flow 10 Compilation at flowersounds.bandcamp.com. Okay. This is the guy who runs Flower Sounds, the cassette-only label that I released my album on about COVID called You Ain't Going Nowhere, limited to 100 cassette copies, long since sold out. But they have a new compilation coming out with a bunch of different artists on it. And it is true. I do have a song on this compilation called When the Diamonds Disappear. And it is true. It is every bit as epic as it is cinematic. And uh, yeah, go to flowersounds.bandcamp.com. And then I think you can buy the compilation and maybe even listen to the song. Yeah, So that's what's going on in music news. And you know what? If we had read this letter yesterday, maybe last night's Grammy Awards would have turned out a little different for old kid Midas because maybe I would have had a last minute nomination for best song that you ever heard. Yeah. I got to say, man, the Grammys, they put the Oscars to shame. Holy smokes. The Grammys were on fire and Olivia Rodrigo and that song driver's license, the live performance of that stunning, absolutely stunning. It was so great. It was so theatrical. What a great song. I'm so happy she won an award for that song. I think that song is terrific. I love that song called Driver's License. That build, yeah. oh my God. Just about had goosebump watching that last night. Yeah, I picked David up at the airport. This is all I wanted to talk about. Didn't care about <sighs> that national jam. championship game. Oh my God, so poignant. Taylor Swift, watch your back. Kate writes in, the subject is number magic. Hello, I listened to the most recent episode yesterday morning. Later in the day, I received the following... Now, and then she she's, attaches a photograph and she says, you may need to enlarge to see all the magical digits. And I did enlarge it and they were indeed magical. This was crazy. It is a photograph inside a vehicle of the console and the clock reads 
444. Right. And she's talking about last week when we were talking, we were discussing the amazing 444 joke. She sent us a photo and the clock reads 444. But, but that wasn't it, it, John. No. That's not it. The clock reads 444, but the odometer reads 44444. 4, 44,444 oh, miles. The no- at John, what are the numbers? What are the numbers trying to? I mean, it's obvious they're trying to communicate with us and they are succeeding. We are definitely taking note of these transmissions from the from the number verse. Yeah, Kate, and congratulations for being there and documenting it because things like that happen and yeah. people won't believe it. Unless Good for you, you Kate. A, yeah, a no, a this was a highlight yeah. of the week Thank getting you. this photo from Kate. Kate is a fellow number. She can be one of our um, um, emissaries to the world of the numbers, you know, this <laughs> yeah. world that exists beyond the world of sight and sound and beyond the world of speech and thought. There's another world, and that's called the, num- that's called the world of the numbers. And we need as many soldiers and emissaries as we can have to help us communicate with this world, take their lessons, and then eventually overthrow it and rule it with an iron fist with new numbers that they have never considered before. Definitely. Benjamin sent us a long email. We're not going to read it all, but we do have to say, we'll say this, because this is the first time someone did this, and I appreciate it. Benjamin wrote in and said, I found the sailboat joke absolutely delightful. Thank you. So, per your request, I did steal it and post it to my TikTok account. So, this guy, Ben Silver, it turns out he's kind of a big-time TikToker. If you go to bensilver.nyc slash EPM444, all lowercase, you can see him do a cover of the 444 joke. And he ripped through this joke. It's incredible. And I have to say, he stuck to the script. It was a very, very good performance of the legendary 444 joke. Yeah. Yeah. You can go on TikTok and just look up Ben Silver. I think his at might be at the Ben Silver or something, but that's just from memory. So I'm not sure. And something else huge happened in the 444 joke world this week, John, which is that I told the joke to Aaron and Aaron's wife and their daughter. And... um I have to say that the daughter was not really into it, She, but she did really like the joke about five, about how horrible it would be to date number five. And why, why was that again? Because <laughs> can you imagine what it would be like to date a number, like dating the number five? Like how horrible would that be? Like, hey, honey, how many beers do you want tonight? Five. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then Aaron told me a couple days later, he was like, you know what? Uh, my daughter told the 444 joke to her babysitter today. Oh, do I wish I had a recording of that very much? Yeah. It, you know, Aaron was not like Kate. He needed to, he needed to document that. Yeah. He biffed it there. Aaron, next time you make sure your daughter's wearing a wire at all moments of yeah. the day in case, yeah. in case she tries to tell one of my jokes. All right. Thank you for that, Ben. And then Ben also wrote in and said that some things that seem random aren't really random, and that means that the stuff isn't as significant as it might be. But we all know that's a lie. Yeah. Because the numbers are communicating with us, y'all. Election Profit Makers is an independent production. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash electionprofitmakers. You can send your election prediction questions to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If you would like to try Predict It, go to predictit.com slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to $20 in matching funds. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, all the others. Yeah, we, we thank you so much for all that. 
Give us many stars. Give us five stars for the for the sake of the numbers. It's all about high numbers. Yeah. You have to you have to have good listener numbers, ratings numbers, review numbers. Uh, you need all to have all those numbers. And tonight for the basketball game, the team that gets the most numbers is going to win the whole thing because That's the numbers right. are the points in basketball. Carolina is looking for lucky number seven. Their seventh NCAA. Here we go. Title. Another message from the universe of numbers. We are wide open and willing numbers. If you want to invite us to a numerological get together, we will be there. 